section seven of south sea tales by jack london this librivox recording is in the public domain the heathen part two i never had a brother but from what i have seen of other men's brothers i doubt if any man ever had a brother that was to him what otuo was to me he was brother and father and mother as well and this i know i lived a straighter and better man because of otuo i cared little for other men but i had to live straight in otuo's eyes because of him i dared not tarnish myself he made me his ideal compounding me i fear chiefly out of his own love and worship and there were times when i stood close to the steep pitch of hell and would have taken the plunge had not the thought of otuo restrained me his pride in me entered into me until it became one of the major rules in my personal code to do nothing that would diminish that pride of his naturally i did not learn right away what his feelings were toward me he never criticized never censured and slowly the exalted place i held in his eyes dawned upon me and slowly i grew to comprehend the hurt i could inflict upon him by being anything less than my best for seventeen years we were together for seventeen years he was at my shoulder watching while i slept nursing me through fever and wounds ay and receiving wounds and fighting for me he signed on the same ships with me and together we ranged the pacific from hawaii to sydney head and from torres straits to the galapagos we blackbirded from the new hebrides and the line islands over to the westward clear through the Louisades, new britain new ireland and new hanover we were wrecked three times in the gilberts in the santa cruz group and in the fijis and we traded and selved wherever a dollar promised in the way of pearl and pearl shell copra bechdemer hawkbill turtle shell and stranded wrecks it began in papieti immediately after his announcement that he was going with me over all the sea and the islands in the midst thereof there was a club in those days in papieti where the pearlers traders captains and riffraff of south sea adventurers foregathered the play ran high and the drink ran high and i am very much afraid that i kept later hours than were becoming or proper no matter what the hour was when i left the club there was otuo waiting to see me safely home at first i smiled next i chided him then i told him flatly that i stood in need of no wet nursing after that i did not see him when i came out of the club quite by accident a week or so later i discovered that he still saw me home lurking across the street among the shadows of the mango trees what could i do i know what i did do insensibly i began to keep better hours on wet and stormy nights in the thick of the folly and the fun the thought would persist in coming to me of otuo keeping his dreary vigil under the dripping mangoes truly 
he made a better man of me yet he was not straight-laced and he knew nothing of common christian morality all the people on bora bora were christians but he was a heathen the only unbeliever on the island a gross materialist who believed that when he died he was dead he believed merely in fair play and square dealing petty meanness in his code was almost as serious as wanton homicide and i do believe that he respected a murderer more than a man given to small practices concerning me personally he objected to my doing anything that was hurtful to me gambling was all right he was an ardent gambler himself but late hours he explained were bad for one's health he had seen men who did not take care of themselves die of fever he was no teetotaler and welcomed a stiff nip any time when it was wet work in the boats on the other hand he believed in liquor in moderation he had seen many men killed or disgraced by squareface or scotch otuo had my welfare always at heart he thought ahead for me weighed my plans and took a greater interest in them than i did myself at first when i was unaware of this interest of his in my affairs he had to divine my intentions as for instance at papieti when i contemplated going partners with a knavish fellow-countryman on a guano venture i did not know he was a knave nor did any white man in papieti neither did otuo know but he saw how thick we were getting and found out for me and without my asking him native sailors from the ends of the seas knock about on the beach in tahiti and otuo suspicious merely went among them till he had gathered sufficient data to justify his suspicions oh it was a nice history that of randolph waters i couldn't believe it when otuo first narrated it but when i sheeted it home to waters he gave in without a murmur and got away on the first steamer to auckland at first i am free to confess i couldn't help resenting otuo's poking his nose into my business but i knew that he was wholly unselfish and soon i had to acknowledge his wisdom and discretion he had his eyes open always to my main chance and he was both keen-sighted and far-sighted in time he became my counsellor until he knew more of my business than i did myself he really had my interest at heart more than i did mine was the magnificent carelessness of youth for i preferred romance to dollars and adventure to a comfortable billet with all night in so it was well that i had someone to look out for me i know that if it had not been for otuo i should not be here to-day of numerous instances let me give one i had had some experience in blackbirding before i went pearling in the pimotus otuo and i were on the beach in samoa we really were on the beach and hard aground when my chance came to go as recruiter on a blackbird brig otuo signed on before the mast and for the next half-dozen years in as many ships we knocked about the wildest portions of melanesia otuo saw to it that he always pulled stroke oar in my boat 
our custom in recruiting labor was to land the recruiter on the beach the covering boat always lay on its oars several hundred feet offshore while the recruiter's boat also lying on its oars kept afloat on the edge of the beach when i landed with my trade goods leaving my steering sweep a peak otuo left his stroke position and came into the stern sheets where a winchester lay ready to hand under a flap of canvas the boat's crew was also armed the sniders concealed under canvas flaps that ran the length of the gunwales while i was busy arguing and persuading the woolly-headed cannibals to come and labor on the queensland plantations otuo kept watch and often and often his low voice warned me of suspicious actions and impending treachery sometimes it was the quick shot from his rifle knocking a nigger over that was the first warning i received and in my rush to the boat his hand was always there to jerk me flying aboard once i remember on santa anna the boat grounded just as the trouble began the covering boat was dashing to our assistance but the several score of savages would have wiped us out before it arrived otuo took a flying leap ashore dug both hands into the trade goods and scattered tobacco beads tomahawks knives and calicoes in all directions this was too much for the woolly heads while they scrambled for the treasures the boat was shoved clear and we were aboard and forty feet away and i got thirty recruits off that very beach in the next four hours the particular instance i have in mind was on malaita the most savage island in the easterly solomons the natives had been remarkably friendly and how were we to know that the whole village had been taking up a collection for over two years with which to buy a white man's head the beggars are all headhunters and they especially esteem a white man's head the fellow who captured the head would receive the whole collection as i say they appeared very friendly and on this day i was fully a hundred yards down the beach from the boat otuo had cautioned me and as usual when i did not heed him i came to grief the first i knew a cloud of spears sailed out of the mangrove swamp at me at least a dozen were sticking into me i started to run but tripped over one that was fast in my calf and went down the woolly heads made a run for me each with a long-handled fantail tomahawk with which to hack off my head they were so eager for the prize that they got in one another's way in the confusion i avoided several hacks by throwing myself right and left on the sand then otuo arrived otuo the manhandler in some way he had got hold of a heavy war club and at close quarters it was a far more efficient weapon than a rifle he was right in the thick of them so that they could not spear him while their tomahawks seemed worse than useless he was fighting for me and he was in a true berserker rage the way he handled that club was amazing their skulls squashed like overripe oranges it was not until he had driven them back picked me up in his arms and started to run that he received his first wounds he arrived in the boat with four spear thrusts got his winchester and with it got a man for every shot then we pulled aboard the schooner and doctored up
seventeen years we were together he made me i should today be a supercargo a recruiter or a memory if it had not been for him you spend your money and you go out and get more he said one day it is easy to get money now but when you get old your money will be spent and you will not be able to go out and get more i know master i have studied the way of the white men on the beaches are many old men who were young once and who could get money just like you now they are old and they have nothing and they wait about for the young men like you to come ashore and buy drinks for them the black boy is a slave on the plantations he gets twenty dollars a year he works hard the overseer does not work hard he rides a horse and watches the black boy work he gets twelve hundred dollars a year i am a sailor on the schooner i get fifteen dollars a month that is because i am a good sailor i work hard the captain has a double awning he drinks beer out of long bottles i have never seen him haul a rope or pull an oar he gets one hundred and fifty dollars a month i am a sailor he is a navigator master i think it would be very good for you to know navigation otuo spurred me on to it he sailed with me as second mate on my first schooner and he was far prouder of my command than i was myself later on it was the captain is well paid master but the ship is in his keeping and he is never free from the burden it is the owner who is better paid the owner who sits ashore with many servants and turns his money over true but a schooner costs five thousand dollars an old schooner at that i objected i should be an old man before i saved five thousand dollars there be ways for young men to make money he went on pointing ashore at the coconut fringed beach we were in the solomons at the time picking up a cargo of ivory nuts along the east coast of guadalcanar between this river mouth and the next is two miles he said the flat land runs far back it is worth nothing now next year who knows or the year after men will pay much money for that land the anchorage is good big steamers can lie close up you can buy the land four miles deep from the old chief for ten thousand sticks of tobacco ten bottles of square face and a snyder which will cost you maybe one hundred dollars then you place the deed with the commissioner and the next year or the year after you sell and become the owner of a ship i followed his lead and his words came true though in three years instead of two next came the grasslands deal on guadalcanar twenty thousand acres on a governmental nine hundred and ninety-nine years lease at a nominal sum i owned the lease for precisely ninety days when i sold it to a company for half a fortune always it was otuo who looked ahead and saw the opportunity he was responsible for the salving of the doncaster bought in at auction for a hundred pounds and clearing three thousand after every expense was paid he led me into the save plantation and the cocoa venture on upolu 
we did not go seafaring so much as in the old days i was too well off i married and my standard of living rose but otuo remained the same old otuo moving about the house or trailing through the office his wooden pipe in his mouth a shilling undershirt on his back and a four shilling lava lava about his loins i could not get him to spend money there was no way of repaying him except with love and god knows he got that in full measure from all of us the children worshipped him and if he had been spoilable my wife would surely have been his undoing the children he really was the one who showed them the way of their feet in the world practical he began by teaching them to walk he sat up with them when they were sick one by one when they were scarcely toddlers he took them down to the lagoon and made them into amphibians he taught them more than i ever knew of the habits of fish and the way of catching them in the bush it was the same thing at seven tom knew more woodcraft than i ever dreamed existed at six mary went over the sliding rock without a quiver and i have seen strong men balk at that feat and when frank had just turned six he could bring up shillings from the bottom in three fathoms my people in bora bora do not like heathen they are all christians and i do not like bora bora christians he said one day when i with the idea of getting him to spend some of the money that was rightfully his had been trying to persuade him to make a visit to his own island in one of our schooners a special voyage in which i had hoped to make a record-breaker in the matter of prodigal expense i say one of our schooners though legally at the time they belonged to me i struggled long with him to enter into partnership we have been partners from the day the petite jean went down he said at last but if your heart so wishes then shall we become partners by the law i have no work to do yet are my expenses large i drink and eat and smoke in plenty it costs much i know i do not pay for the playing of billiards for i play on your table but still the money goes fishing on the reef is only a rich man's pleasure it is shocking the costs of hooks and cotton line yes it is necessary that we be partners by the law i need the money i shall get it from the head clerk in the office so the papers were made out and recorded a year later i was compelled to complain charlie said i you are a wicked old fraud a miserly skinflint a miserable land crab behold your share for the year in all our partnerships has been thousands of dollars the head clerk has given me this paper it says that in the year you have drawn just eighty-seven dollars and twenty cents is there any owing me he asked anxiously i tell you thousands and thousands i answered his face brightened as with an immense relief it is well he said see that the head clerk keeps good account of it when i want it i shall want it and there must not be a cent missing if there is he added fiercely after a pause it must come out of the clerk's wages 
and all the time as i afterwards learned his will drawn up by carruthers and making me sole beneficiary lay in the american consul's safe but the end came as the end must come to all human associations it occurred in the solomons where our wildest work had been done in the wild young days and where we were once more principally on a holiday incidentally to look after our holdings on florida island and to look over the purling possibilities of the maboli pass we were lying at savo having run in to trade for curios now savo is alive with sharks the custom of the woolly heads of burying their dead in the sea did not tend to discourage the sharks from making the adjacent waters a hangout it was my luck to be coming aboard in a tiny overloaded native canoe when the thing capsized there were four woolly heads and myself in it or rather hanging to it the schooner was a hundred yards away i was just hailing for a boat when one of the woolly heads began to scream holding on to the end of the canoe both he and that portion of the canoe were dragged under several times then he loosed his clutch and disappeared a shark had got him the three remaining niggers tried to climb out of the water upon the bottom of the canoe i yelled and cursed and struck at the nearest with my fist but it was no use they were in a blind funk the canoe could barely have supported one of them under the three it upended and rolled sideways throwing them back into the water i abandoned the canoe and started to swim toward the schooner expecting to be picked up by the boat before i got there one of the niggers elected to come with me and we swam along silently side by side now and again putting our faces into the water and peering about for sharks the screams of the man who stayed by the canoe informed us that he was taken i was peering into the water when i saw a big shark pass directly beneath me he was fully sixteen feet in length i saw the whole thing he got the woolly head by the middle and away he went the poor devil head shoulders and arms out of the water all the time screeching in a heart-rending way he was carried along in this fashion for several hundred feet when he was dragged beneath the surface i swam doggedly on hoping that that was the last unattached shark but there was another whether it was one that had attacked the natives earlier or whether it was one that had made a good meal elsewhere i do not know at any rate he was not in such haste as the others i could not swim so rapidly now for a large part of my effort was devoted to keeping track of him i was watching him when he made his first attack by good luck i got both hands on his nose and though his momentum nearly shoved me under i managed to keep him off he veered clear and began circling about again a second time i escaped him by the same maneuver the third rush was a miss on both sides he sheared at the moment my hand should have landed on his nose but his sandpaper hide i had on a sleeveless undershirt scraped the skin off one arm from elbow to shoulder by this time i was played out and gave up hope the schooner was still two hundred feet away my face was in the water 
and I was watching him maneuver for another attempt when I saw a brown body pass between us. It was Otuo. Swim for the schooner, master, he said, and he spoke gaily, as though the affair was a mere lark. I know sharks, the shark is my brother. I obeyed, swimming slowly on, while Otuo swam about me, keeping always between me and the shark, foiling his rushes and encouraging me. The davit tackle carried away, and they are rigging the falls, he explained, a minute or so later, and then went under to head off another attack. By the time the schooner was thirty feet away, I was about done for. I could scarcely move. They were heaving lines at us from on board, but they continually fell short. The shark, finding that it was receiving no hurt, had become bolder. Several times it nearly got me. But each time Otuo was there, just the moment before it was too late. Of course, Otuo could have saved himself any time, but he stuck by me. Goodbye, Charlie, I'm finished. I just managed to gasp. I knew that the end had come, and that the next moment I should throw up my hands and go down. But Otuo laughed in my face, saying, I will show you a new trick. I will make that shark feel sick. He dropped in behind me, where the shark was preparing to come at me. A little more to the left, he called out. There is a line there on the water. To the left, master, to the left. I changed my course and struck out blindly. I was by that time barely conscious. As my hand closed on the line, I heard an exclamation from on board. I turned and looked. There was no sign of Otuo. The next instant he broke surface. Both hands were off at the wrist, the stumps spouting blood. Otuo, he called softly, and I could see in his gaze the love that thrilled in his voice. Then, and then only, at the very last of all our years, he called me by that name. Goodbye, Otuo, he called. Then he was dragged under, and I was hauled aboard, where I fainted in the captain's arms. And so passed Otuo, who saved me and made me a man, and who saved me in the end. We met in the maw of a hurricane, and parted in the maw of a shark. With seventeen intervening years of comradeship, the like of which I dare to assert has never befallen two men, the one brown and the other white. If Jehovah be from his high place watching every sparrow fall, not least in his kingdom shall be Otuo, the one heathen of Bora Bora. End of The Heathen